God, thank you. That's the word we want to say. Um, thank you for an incredible welcome week. Thank you for the people that we've got to share the gospel with. Um, God, thank you for the people that were strangers but now are becoming family. Uh, Lord, thank you for the new students. Thank you for the returning students. Thank you for um, that class that isn't going to be as hard as we thought it was. Um, thank you for the good teacher, for the roommate. Thank you for the love that you've shown us. Uh, Lord, thank you that we're here today. Lord, may we study your word and may we understand what you have to say to us. May you open us our ideas, open our mind to you penetrating and really speaking to us in this moment. God, I pray that the students are open to you speaking. God, I pray that I'm open to you speaking. In your name, amen. So before you guys leave, just take that card. You can like fold it and put it in our really cool prayer wall uh, in the back right corner. I guess that's right. But hey, week one, done. Who has a test this week? This week, we're already starting it. Come on. All right. How, who already had a test? All right. That's called a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So, I was, you guys like memes? I like memes. So, I feel like whenever you're like the rather or would you rather, um, I love the memes. It's like, but me, an intellectual. Like, y'all, y'all seen those memes? Yeah. I love those. It's like, uh, so would you rather never stand in line or have green lights or whatever? But I'm like thinking me as an intellectual, I'm like at the Six Flags, like, hey, I'm about to get on the Titan over and over and over again. Or I'm in, or I'm at uh, Disney or I'm at Universal Studios or I'm, I don't know where do they have big lines. Black Friday shopping. Hey, 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 hey. Now we're talking. All right. Um, Hey, y'all go ahead and open your Bibles. We're going to be in Acts 2. Um, Before I do that, I want to tell you guys about something really cool. So you might have noticed um, the Armor Bears, Melina and I, are wearing these 936 worship shirts. So I want to tell you a little bit about what 936 is. Um, 936 is a multi-church effort, but it's a college worship night. It's college worship experience. We do it once a month. We do it downtown. um, And it's just done well. And the idea is that multi, multiple churches come together to be challenged, to be missional on campus, to have an opportunity to worship the Lord and to just be with each other. Um, and so I think it's going to be really cool. It's happening this Tuesday. It's at 8 o'clock, so it's always the first Tuesday of each month and 936. So it's in Mast Hall, which if you guys know where the new coffee shop Galls is, it's right across the street from that. If you have no idea what Galls is, that's totally okay. It just opened up. Uh, it's... Downtown's where all the bricks are, <laughs> and then uh, it'll be on the left, but we're going to post the address on our social media and on, along with that line. So if you need help or any of that, just feel free to text someone and ask for some directions. We can get you some directions. So that's this Tuesday at 8, and we're going to have snacks and everything afterwards. And so anyways, Tuesday, plan to be there. Just cool? We're all cool? I'm really excited about it. We've been working really hard on figuring out those details, putting the band together, getting all the equipment, renting it out. Um, I'm really excited. So, all right, Acts 2, Acts 2. Also, I'm kind of losing my voice, so y'all forgive me. So, Acts 2, if you guys have been in the cafe, you have seen wonderful, like, cool-looking decorations everywhere, right? And little people's stories. And on each and every one of those doors, it says Acts 2, 42, right? And we're going to look at that scripture today. We're actually going to look at that little paragraph of scripture. Um, But it's this idea of what is biblical community. And that's, if you're around church long enough, you'll hear this phrase, biblical community, that it'll become like one of those Christian cliche uh, 
phrases you use like saved by grace or I'm blessed, hashtag. And so biblical community, for some of us in the room, it's like, yes, we've talked about this a lot. For others, it's like, okay, new idea. Let's, I'm open, I'm ready. Uh, and then for others, you're like, I think I kind of have an idea of what you mean by this, but let's kind of just break that apart here. So we're going to look at an example of what does it mean to be a church. And let's just break that down again. So like we're going to, big idea, build community, mean to be a church. Next, next level, what does it mean just to be people who love God and love each other? All right? Next level, what does that actually look like? Well, next level, what did it look like for the first church? So we're going to look like, what did it look like for the first group of people who kind of just said, man, we love God with all of our heart and we want to love each other. What does it look like to be a church? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of their practices and then think, man, what does this look like in Nakanowhere, in Nacogdoches, okay? What does this look like at SFA? And so that's where we're at. We're going to read Acts 2, 42 to 47. I feel like I'm just like, I'm teasing it so much. But before we read, I want to set the scene, okay? You, got, you don't ever just jump in at season three, episode five of a series, right? You got to like know what's going on, like previously on The Flash. All right, so... Here is what's happening right now. So the book of Acts starts, and Jesus has been crucified, right? And he was, he was killed not just by Roman people who hated him, but he was killed by his own people. He was killed by his own people who didn't like that he was taking more power than their religious leaders were, and so the people turned on him. And so his own people killed him. And, but the gospels end with him Rising from the dead, proving he has victory over sin, proving he has victory over death, giving us the opportunity to have a relationship with him, taking care of our sin. And Paul explains a lot of that um, in the New Testament. So the book of Acts starts, and Jesus gathers around his disciples and says, go out and be my witnesses. And he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he's kind of like, come on, let's get the church rolling. Let's get it started. Let's bring the kingdom on earth. The kingdom's here. The kingdom's now. And that's where it's starting. And what happens is that there's a moment where the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. The best way that we can ex- explain this is that it's a salvation moment. It's a salvation moment. And what happens is they start speaking in tongues. And now that's, that's kind of a little crazy. I'm not, they're speaking in tongues, and that's just a, a symbolism of their salvation at that moment. But what happens is everyone's gathered around going, these guys are drunk. They, they thought they were drunk. And because it was 9 a.m. and they're drunk and they're just being crazy. And, and Peter stands up. He like stands up on a couch or something and like says, hey, no, listen to me. Because um, all of the nations had come together for this government thing, okay? So different nations were in the place where it all happened. Okay, are, is, are we tracking? Are we all tracking? So different nations are there and they think the disciples are drunk the disciples, and so Peter gets up. He says, hey, we're not drunk. It's 9 a.m. No one gets drunk at 9 a.m. Here's what's happening. And what he does is he tells the story of Jesus. And this is the first part of Acts 2. I, I say that because we're going to come in on the back half of Acts 2. He tells, up, he tells the story of Jesus. He says that how Jesus was the chosen one, how Jesus was the one that was going to redeem the people, how Jesus was the person who was going to be the king, going to be the Messiah. You guys thought he would come as an earthly king. Instead, he came as a servant. And then he says, this Jesus, and he's looking at the crowd, he says, the ones that you killed, the one that you crucified, he is Lord. 
But he doesn't, he's not just mean to them. He kind of, they say, it says at the end of that, after Peter shares a message, that they were cut to the heart. I love that phrase. You know, we're not, we don't really ever like use that while we're talking, but it, it conveys such deep meaning. They were cut to the heart, like it hit home, you know? They cut to the heart and they said, what can we do to be saved? Which was a, a common question to ask during that time. But the thing was, that question was asked, they already knew what to do because they were just going to follow the law and do these works. And, but instead, they're asking a new question. The people who were used to following the law, used to doing all these religious things, they're now asking the same question but with a different perspective. And they're saying, what can we do to be saved? And I love this. Peter says, repent, which means turn from your sins, be baptized. In other words, accept Jesus in your life as king. Give him authority in your life. It's what we've talked about with salvation before. And it says, he says, repent and be baptized. I love this next phrase. So that times of refreshing may come to your soul. I love that. When we walk with the Lord, times of refreshing come to our soul. And it doesn't mean life is just ice cream and cocoa puffs. But it does mean that there's life within us. And so the same people who murdered him are the ones that turned to him. Jesus puts his Holy Spirit within them. And they are now the church. The early church are the people who led the rebellion to kill him. But God changes who they are completely. I love that. I love that. So with that in mind, we need to understand Acts 2. We're going to start in verse 42. We're going to read through 47. I love this. Um, let's start in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who were relieved were together. They had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as anyone had need. And day by day, they were attending the temple together, and they're breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So these are the people that, who had turned on their back on God. The people who had led the, the revolt of crucifying him. But what God does, he saves them. And he changes them in that moment. He places his spirit within them and changes who they are as humans. And as a result, they now are what we would call Christians. They are believers in God, believers in salvation. And what they now do is they get to learn what does it look like to live together, right? You guys ever had a, a new roomie? Like you never lived with them before and you got a new roomie? The first thing you got to do is, all right, so how are we going to do this, right? So, like, do you do the dishes? Do I do the dishes? Right? And we got to, like, walk through these things. Um, and what happens is these people have to figure out, how do, we, how do we live? Because our entire identity of who we were has changed. We were completely wrapped up in one thing. But now I see that that was, as Paul would say, rubbish. Uh, it's just completely worthless. And, he's, and the, now we're this new thing. Okay, now how do I live over here? This major life change has occurred. They're like, how do I live? And not just one person. It says it was 3,000 people. 
So you have 3,000 people trying to figure out how to live, trying to figure out what to do, and these are the things they devoted themselves to. This is the first church. I love that. And the first church is full of mess-ups who God changes. The first church is full of people who had the wrong perspective. God gave them the right perspective, gave them the Holy Spirit, and now they're living this way. And so we're going to look at these practices and see what does the first church do. I love the first church. I love the first church. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture because we get to see what it means to live life together as believers. Community is this really interesting word. For some of us, we think of like community as we think of like Nacogdoches community. Or you might think of like an SFA community. Some of us immediately go to religious community. Some of us might think of like community service. Some of y'all might think about that sitcom named Community. Okay, but um, we define it differently. When we think about biblical community, we just think about our people. Just think about the people that we're, we have the same core values with. So, I love, there's a story of David and Jonathan. Y'all remember King David, the guy with the slingshot and killed David uh, and Goliath, David and Goliath? Well, David, yeah, he didn't kill David. Uh, but David and Jonathan have this friendship, and it's documented in the Bible. And when they first become friends, what happens is it says that their, like, hearts were knit together. I know that this is really poetic language, all right? Yeah, yeah. But the idea is that they weren't just friends because they both liked hunting or they both like liked the same sports team or went to SFA, right? Had the same major. They were friends because the deepness of Jonathan agreed with the deepness of who David was. In other words, in the core of who David was, it resonated with the core of who this other individual was. Does that make sense? And so it's the same thing like when you guys both find out that you're like, when you find someone else who's truly in love with the Lord and you're also in love with the Lord, you have a deeper connection because the core of who you are is loving the Lord. The core of what God has asked us to be is about him. And you find another person who that is at the center of who they are, then you have this deeper connection. And when I think about biblical community, I'm thinking about the people who share the devotion to God that we have. Now this this drives us to people who don't necessarily share that devotion, right? And that devotion can look different on different levels, right? But they have this devotion to God. So let's look at some of the early church's devotions. Let's think about, at the beginning of this verse, is, and, they, and they devoted themselves to blank, blank, blank. What was the early church about? What was the results? And just why did it matter? All right, that's what we're looking at. And we're in hopes of us understanding, does community matter at SFA? Okay, y'all smile. Y'all, everyone needs to smile. Here we go. We're all smiling. Okay, good. So they have four devotions, and I think Nia's going to put them up here for us. So they have four devotions. There's the apostles' teaching. There's fellowship, which is like the uh, Bible word for hanging. And then there's breaking bread and prayers. And as a result, let's just go to the church side if you can, Nia. So these are kind of some of the practices that the church had. They were, all who believed, they were together. They had all things in common. They sold the possessions, why? To give to those to need. Okay, they went to church together. They ate in homes together. They praised God together. Look at that. They were together. They were with each other. They took care of each other. 
They went to church together. They ate together. They praised God together. What's the result? I love the results here. It says that in the results, as we get to that slide, it'd be cool. Um, it says that all came upon every soul. That word every isn't just Christians, isn't just the people. Everyone, remember how I said all the different tribes were there? Everyone is in awe of what's happening. So all becomes on every soul. The apostles do wonders and signs. Uh, fun fact, in the last chapter of the book of Mark, uh, Jesus actually says, hey, when this happens, the apostles are going to do incredible signs. So this is a fulfillment of what Jesus said would occur. And he says they had favor with all the people. And God adds to their number day, daily, daily, and daily. Those are being saved. So we have this idea of this, it's this continual theme of doing life together, right? Last, last week I talked a little about Rambo and I talked a little bit about Band of Brothers. Um, but it's this idea that do I do life by myself or do I do life with other people? And I know some of the introverts were like, oh gosh. <laughs> but do I do life with other people or do I do life by myself? And when I look at the early church, I see this constant theme that they were, they were going to share their lives with each other. They were going to do things together. They, they weren't interested in just coming to church on Sunday and coming to 936 once a month, right? They were doing life with each other. Their lives were woven together. They ate together. They prayed together. They worshiped God together. Um, they hung out together. Well, look at their devotions. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So just look at one of those, the fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. They dev- Which, this is crazy, right? So you're telling me that the first church was committed to hanging out. So when I'm committed to hanging out with my friends who also love the Lord, I'm doing what the first church did? Yes. Like this stuff isn't rocket science. It's really simple. Right? We need to share lives together. We need to build relationships. If you guys are going to stick around long enough, you hear me say this regularly, that everything that we do here is geared around relationships. We think God wants to have a relationship with you. We think we need to have a relationship with each other. And we think we need to have a relationship with those who don't know the Lord on, on campus of SFA, in our community, in Nacogdoches. And because it's in the context of relationships that we can have actual conversations. Right? We can have meaningful conversations in the context of relationship. Well, how do we expect to grow? How do we expect to love the Lord more? How do we expect to, to do what he's asked us to do if we're not in the context of relationship? And so we need to think about this and are we doing life together? That's one of the questions I want to ask us today. Are we doing life together? Now, I'm fully aware that that takes time and that takes building trust it takes consistency it takes building relationships i understand all of this i'm not saying hey turn to the person next to you and say bffs forever baby let's do this that's not what i'm saying what i am saying now some of y'all that might be true shout out all right but what i am saying is that when we try to do this by ourselves we just fall down and we just fall down so I'm a runner, and I talk about running analogies. So you're going to get one probably every week. If you look at the people who finish the marathons, you guys ever like the Boston Marathon? That's the big one, right? So the people who finish first, they're like thriving, right? Like they're killing it. 
And uh, that'll never be me. And, but they're killing it. But you guys never see those? The guy who f- is the last one to finish. You know how they finish? On each other's shoulders, walking in, dragging their feet, dragging their buddy across the line. We're going to finish this. Uh, there are moments in life where you'll be like the guy who finished first. Just, man, I'm doing great. I'm, this is awesome. Man, man. And then there are other times where you will need someone to carry you across that line. You will be utterly useless. And, and you will need someone to carry you across that line. And we cannot expect that life is doable if we try to do it on our own. Not just for the moments when we're weak, right? But in everyday moments. And the encouragement of the everyday so here's what I want to do. I want us to look at these devotions that the apostles, uh, that, that the early church had, and I want us to really think about them in our life. Is that cool? Can we do that? All right. So the very first one is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this is straight out of verse 42. Now, I want you to imagine this. These are the same people who literally just, they just have been a part of the riot that killed Jesus. So do you think their theology was good or bad? They, they kind of like needed some help their proper understanding of who Jesus was. So when Peter shows up and he says, hey, okay, you guys killed the wrong guy. Uh, This is actually God, and you should follow him. They were like, oh, we messed up. Okay, so we're going to follow God, and we're all here. But you know what they need? They need teaching. They need training. They need kind of like some help. They need some guidance of how to understand the scriptures, right? Because they did it one way, but now they need some guidance. And so the apostles' teaching is essentially just Peter and Paul and them guys They're teaching, this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to interpret the Old Testament. This is how you read the Old Testament. If you think about what the early church had, their Bible was the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament yet, right? Because they were in it. (laughs) Um, So their Bible is the Old Testament. And so anytime you see in the New Testament, it says, be committed to the Word of God. He's talking about the Old Testament. So a little side plug, read the Old Testament. Um, But, so we need the apostles' teaching. The reason that you need apostles' teaching here is because without without guidance, it's very easily, it's very easy for people to believe things that seemed like really good ideas but weren't true. Have you guys ever had like a really good idea you thought it would work and then it didn't work at all? Um, I remember one time I was fixing... Um, the brakes on someone's car. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I was like 12, so hold on. I've gotten a lot better, so y'all better not judge me. But, so we're in the car, and, oh no, I was like 9 or 10. I was talking to somebody. And anyways, we thought we had the brakes fixed. Like, we thought we had a good idea. And so we put that thing back down the hill. Y'all have driveways on the hill. You know what I'm talking about? And so put it in reverse. Put it in reverse, Terry. And I put it in reverse, and uh, the brakes didn't work. <laughs> So we're flying down this hill like, ah! <laughs> and so I pull the emergency brake like, Argh! and I, we had a great idea, didn't work out well, okay? We all have great ideas, and we needed coaching. We would have loved to have, like, a mechanic there. Help. This is how you fix brakes. And so you, sometimes we need coaching because even though we have great ideas, we went down the wrong way. This is true about God. Sometimes we'll think something is true about the Lord's character. We'll think Blank is true. Well, God wants me to have blank. Or God views me like blank. Or God is trying to do blank. Right? We can fill in that. And that, that idea 
even though we think it's 100% true, may not align with God's scripture. And what the apostles were doing is they were helping the church say, man, this is what God's word actually says. And we need to understand that. This wasn't an idea that what they thought was king. This was an agreement among each other, being led through the, by the Holy Spirit, being led by God. And think about it. The disciples, they're going to teach what Jesus taught, right? They spent all of life with, the, with Jesus, and they're going to teach what Jesus taught. So anyways, we have to go that route. It's very, 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 a side note, it's very, very, very easy to not base our beliefs on God on the Word of God. Okay, let's just be real, real practical real quick. And before we get on the amen train, let's just think real quick. What we believe, or is it based on the Word of God? And we're going to jump in the next few weeks about why we should trust the Word of God, why it's living and active, why it's not just some um, book that we pick up, uh, and why it's more than just old school church. You know, why the new school church needs the Word of God. Like, we're going to look at that, okay? Um, but if we are just rolling with thoughts and we're like, I don't know if it's in the Bible. I'm just rolling with it. It sounds good. Let's go, baby. Come on. Um, what we're doing is we're actually believing something that's not true. And most of the time, those truths are really trendy. And they're like what everyone's doing. And we have to just make sure. I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm not saying not, don't be cool. What I am saying is that don't look for a faith that's trendy. Look for a faith more that's rooted in the word of God. Look for a faith that's like consistent, that's stable, that's consistent with what God is teaching to what's going on with the apostles here. Because just like the early church, they could have easily been swayed. And you'll look at a lot of different Paul's letters when he's writing to the book of Galatians, right? The Judaizers were telling him one thing, and they're like, hey, here's this trendy, trendy thing. And Paul's like, don't be trendy. Don't be trendy. This is what the Word of God says. So when, in a moment, when you're, when you're faced with this, and you might hear this, you're like, man, I don't really know if that's what God says. What does the Word of God say? Don't be trendy. I love that the idea is that we have to vote it to the apostles' teaching. The next thing they did was they voted themselves to fellowship. So... I've talked about this before, but it says they had all things in common. And I just love this picture of the core of who I am is very similar to who you are. Like if at the heart of who I am, it's very similar to the heart of who you are. Um, you know, to have a thriving faith community, it's going to take a little bit of effort. I love that. To have a, just think about a, your best friend, right? Think about your best friend and think of and if you can, think about, if, you don't, if your best friend doesn't love the Lord, that's fine. But think about a friend of yours that's close that loves the Lord. Does it take effort to maintain that relationship? Yes. <laughs> right? None of us are going to say no. Like, yes. Some of y'all are giggling because you know it. It takes effort. But what it, you know what it takes? It takes vulnerability. It takes you to be open and willing to have a relationship. It takes you letting someone into your life. And it takes you being there saying, hey, I want to be in your life. I'm here. I want to be a part of this. It takes you being intentional with someone. Now, um, intentional is kind of like this weird word that Christians use to talk about when they're dating. Like, I'm intentionally pursuing her. Like, Oof. But what I'm saying is that you have to be intentional with someone. You got to be focused. We are going to be brothers. We're going to be sisters. We're going to be family. And it's more than just, do it. You're part of God's family. <laughs> right? Sergeant General. But God wants us to, Christianity was never meant to be a solo religion where you're just praying by yourself in your closet. There should be times where you pray in your closet. But it's meant to be a group activity. 
Now, I, not, not everyone's a fan of group activities, right? Like group projects, that one guy like carries you. Shout out to that dude who got me graduated. But uh, so what we need, though, is we need group activities when we think about it in, in the Christianity because it's never meant to be a solo project where you write your essay and you turn it in and you do all your work and you don't need nobody else. You've got this. That's not how God intended it to be. How many disciples does Jesus have? He has 12. He could have easily had one. And so the disciples began, the, really the first church, we're talking about the disciples and how they had a relationship with each other, how they bonded together, how they became brothers. I love this. Man, so are we letting people into our life and is it worth it? Well, I think it is. And I want to tell you why. In order for there to be true, incredible friendship, right? Just think of the best friendship that the world's ever had, right? Okay. There has to be the possibility for true heartbreak. Okay. So you can't have one without the other. That's how God's made it. God's made the system to where if you want deep relationship, it's, it's available to you. And it's worth it. And it's worth investing your time. It's worth getting, getting to know the person next to you and saying, hi, more than just what's up with the weather, but can we talk? Can we have a real conversation? Can we connect? It's worth it. But there is the possibility of heartbreak. But... That's what's so beautiful about it. Because the reward and the payoff is so high. We're, so many of us are so aware of, of heartbreak and broken friendships. And, man, that didn't work. And now we even talked in, like, five years. And, like, we're all, all aware of what's here. We're all aware of the hurt and the pain that this has caused. But what that shows me is that a deep love, a deep affection for one another, a deep caring for one another is completely possible and it's completely available to us. And, we, and if you have two people who are saying, we're going to be devoted uh, to each other. We're going to be devoted as friends. We're going to make a bond together. We're, gonna, we're going to be in this together. We're going to share life together. Key word for the day, together. So we're going to do this together. And this is attainable, not by your own efforts, though. Let's stop there. Like, wait, I just thought it was. It's not. You can, you can put forth effort, and you need to, what were their devotions? Teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers. What were they doing? They were loving the Lord together and loving each other together. A key element of community is people deciding that they're going to love the Lord, give, the God, give God everything, and then go together. Give God everything. Give God. That's a picture of marriage in a way, if you think about it. I love what Psalm 34 says. It says, magnify the Lord with me. Let's make much of Jesus together. And now let's go. Let's do life together. And I think that's what God's asking us for biblical community. Let's do life together. Let's magnify Jesus a lot and do life together. But one of the things that they did is that they broke bread together in each other's homes. Did you know God wants you to have friends over for dinner? I love that. Maybe God wants them to bring a dessert. But... Um, have friends over for dinner. Why? Because you talk about the deep things at the dinner table. You, you take down this fake persona that you have, and you're a human. Isn't that nice when people are humans, when you talk to them, and they're not like this other thing that you're like, what are you doing? But they're a human. 
and you can look at them in the eyes and get to know who they are and know their story and then share who you are. Now, I'm not saying like the first dinner, you're like, let me tell you all the deepest, darkest things. Like, no, build friendship. What I am saying is that God wants to not be active in our relationship just to the church or not just be in our, he wants to be active everywhere. So in the SC, you know, in the EC, y'all going to Cain's, right? God wants to be active in that moment. He wants to be speaking to y'all then. And that may not mean that y'all are sitting like, you know what, let's just, Let's just start a worship service right here in the middle of Chili's. I just, I really feel led. I really feel led. I really feel led. You know, they sing happy birthday. They need to sing holy Jesus. So uh, come on, let's stand on the table. Attention Chili's. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But do you see what's the main thing? I'm going to love the Lord with you. I'm going to love the Lord with you. When Jesus was pressed and he said, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, it's simple. You love the Lord your God with all you got. That's the modern version. All you got. He said, okay, what's the second one? He says, you love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. So if God says, these are the two things. He says, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor a lot then when we're thinking about how do we build biblical community, we say, I'm going to love the person in this room a lot. And I'm going to give them, this, is, this, is, this was key for me, I'm going to give them the opportunity to love me. Y'all see that? That's totally different than just love people. You're giving someone the opportunity to love you. And so being a family with them. Because just like the early church, God's wanting to do that among us. So the last one is prayer. The same devotion was prayer. This is what separates us from really good uh, other clubs that just become friends and hang out a lot. And this goes back to what I was saying about the core. And I hope what I'm saying about the core makes sense, about who we are, you know, who, what really defines us for believers, is having a relationship with God. When I say core, it's what I mean. The difference between us and just other social clubs is that we are devoted to the Lord. And so this devotion to prayer, guys, pray together. Spend time in prayer together. One of the most powerful moments of my life came praying with my roommates. It wasn't at a church service. You know, the lights weren't dim. Chris Tomlin wasn't playing in the background. But my buddies were there, and we were on our knees praying. One of the most powerful moments of my life occurs at that moment. Pray together. I'm going to love them. I'm going to let them love me. And we're going to pray together. We're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to be about this together. I love that. So I want you all to just think, am I practicing community? And I don't want you to think, well, am I coming to church enough? Am I coming to enough church events? We throw a lot of these events so that we can build community, right? We throw a house party. Why? So we can meet people. We play Johnny Ball so we can meet people. 
We're, on, we're doing coffee stands so we can meet people. But the events are geared toward meeting people, but you don't gauge how well am I, how, how good am I at this? Well, I went to a bunch of events. No, think about, think about people. Think about names. Think about who, who has God placed in your life. Do you know God has placed people in your life? And think about it as relationally and relationship-based. How well are we doing community? How well are you letting people love you? How well are we loving people being in their life? How well are we sharing life together? I picked on the introverts earlier, and I apologize. I want to be very clear what I mean here. I'm not saying that, oh my gosh, just do the laundry together. Do you go to go here together, go here together, go here together. Like, just share a journal. Like, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that who you are needs to be shared with someone. And that these walls that separate you from other people, I think God's asking. He's saying, hey, let me help you take those down. In a process, in a process. And I think God is going to be using some of the people in this room to do that. Some of the deeper friendships could, could be birthed from this room. So give yourself to that. So I want to pray for us, and uh, Molina's going to come up and say something. God, I just pray that we would give ourselves this idea, um, well, God, not just the idea, to each other. We would open up our hearts and let people love us, uh, that we would love people. Um, God, that we would have a devotion to you together with each other, uh, that we would hold each other um, and be there for each other. And be devoted to you together. That's the main thing. God, may we be devoted to you as a group. And may these deep relationships form. And God, may, may community be very present in our life. Yes, God. So please make this simple. And may conversations about this occur, God. May self-reflective conversations occur. Uh, but conversations with each other. Talking about, man, how can we be a community together that loves the Lord? How can we be a community together that prays, that worships? How can we do that? So, and God, I just pray we're, we're not quick to just throw more events, but we just are quick to love you and love each other. Um, in your name we pray, Father. Amen. All right. Well, um, so this is, if you're new with us, this is... Uh, what we call the last five or story time with Mel or uh, words for Mel. I get to just come in and like do a little blurb real quick. Um, but so I was sitting back there and just, um, and John mentioned this a little bit of um, some of you are sitting in this room and you hear the word community and you kind of want to vomit um, because it's been hurtful or it's been something that you've tried for and never succeeded at or you feel like um, you keep putting yourself out there and you keep putting yourself out there and um, connection is just not possible, or you feel like you're always that person that can never make friends. And um, I just like, the Lord, like almost to this point, I've just like totally burdened my heart and I um, just began interceding for, um, if that's you, for you. Um, and I brought, got brought back to this TED Talk that I watched not too long ago, and it's this lady who essentially, like, 
does this all of this research on connection and realizing like people are just built for connection. Everything that they do is wired for connection. And um, so she did a whole bunch of research and took people that never struggled with connection, always had um, always had friends, never, like it was, being alone was never like a thing that they struggled with. Um, and then she took all of these stories of people that just felt like could never find it, could never get it. And she said, she came down to one conclusion. And the one conclusion was these people over here that believed it, um, believed that they were worthy of relationships, that they felt like it was, like that was just, they were worthy of it. And this group of people didn't feel like they were worthy of a relationship. They didn't feel like um, it was something they could ever get um, or anything. They could never do enough or they were never anyway. And um, the Lord just spoke in that moment of, um, and she said, if we could just change people's beliefs in their head, I think the entire story would change. Um, and the Lord, like, as I was sitting about it, I was sitting there and I go, God, man, the Lord like came in and changed that story because he said, you're worthy of relationship um, because I've come and died on the cross for you to be in relationship with me. I have like said that you are worthy um, because in that moment, like in that moment, I have said you're worthy of relationship, um, not just in a small way, but in a way that I'm going to lay my life down for you. And um, so I just like, if you're here and you go, whoo, okay, like this has been something um, that I'm just looking for. Um, I just want you to hear that you're worthy, like you're worthy of relationship with people. You're worthy of all of those things. And then my next encouragement is just, I have in community, how I've figured it out and how I've lived it is I just started doing it. Um, I just started going, okay, I'm just going to care about the next person more than I care about myself. Um, I'm just going to start going, okay, I'm going to like invite them over to my over for dinner. I'm going to start inviting people into my life. I'm going to start like actually not letting friends just like get mad at me and walk away. Like I'm going to go, no, we're going to confront this and we're going to have a hard conversation and I'm going to love you. Um, and not just let you like peace out because it got awkward for a little bit. Um, cause that's what we do. It's like, it gets awkward and we go, Ooh, you hurt my feelings. I hurt your feelings. So like, let's just stop talking and we'll go like, I don't know, five years and then delete you on Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> but the Lord's like, okay, now let's take like another step and not let them just run away or not let like go chase after them. Um, go like have the hard conversations. Go love them in the midst of that. Um, and that's just something that the Lord has challenged John and I in time and time and time and time again. But um, can I just tell you, after the awkward moments, um, there's so much depth that comes after you go, okay, but I'm going to love you again. Um, and it's precious. And so, um, and then the Lord says, hey, go move in a house. And um, like what he did with us, uh, this big giant house and like invite these college students to just like come into your house whenever you want to. And we're like, okay, great. And he goes, actually, I also want you to like have college students live with you. And I was like, we were like, whoa, 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 what? Like we have already, like this is already an extreme thing where we're gonna just like open the doors whenever they wanna come over, they can come over. And uh, the Lord goes, yeah, I know that's great too, but like I want you to have someone like live with you. And 
us just being like, okay, yes, but there's been like so much blessing in that and so much encouragement. So that's what I just want you guys to hear is sometimes when the Lord asks you to give yourself to community, he's going to ask for more and he's going to ask for more and he's going to ask for more, but in the more there's blessing um, and there's blessing in relationship and there's healing that you get to just see in people's lives um, as you love them the way Christ loves you. And so that's like my little five minutes with Mel, um, but you're worthy. God like paid the price to be in a relationship with you. Um, so love people hard and it's so sweet. Um, but with that, uh, whew, we're going to have Miss Darby come up front. Um, so she's going to come up here. I, uh, this is like where you go. This is like what it looks like to love family. Um, cause Darby, whoo, um, this is her last Sunday with us. Um, sorry, I should have let John do this. <laughs> um, no, it's good. I got it. I got it. Um, so Darby has uh, been an armor bearer with us for the last like year and a half, and has lived life with us. Has um, like done ministry with us, has, um, I mean, so many of you, even it's, if it's your first week here, you've probably been loved by Darby and cared for by Darby. Um, and so she is going to be getting married. Woo. She's getting married in November and is moving to sundown. And, uh, which is like, she like, wasn't nice. She's not like, Hey, I'm just moving to Houston. She's like, no, I'm moving eight hours away. And it's like, Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> like, couldn't you like lower the, just like two hours. I could have handled that one. But, um, no, so she's going to sundown and she gets to, um, be a part of, uh, just ministry with her brother there and her husband. And um, so we're going to just like pray for her um, and send her well and just know that um, you guys, I want you guys to know that you guys have loved her well um, and have cared for her well. And I want to thank you for that. Um, but I've asked like three girls to come up and pray for her. Um, and these are just girls that have lived life with Darby for the last year. And so they're going to pray for her, but if y'all will just extend a hand, um, and then we'll do announcements. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I just thank you for this day. And I thank you for this time that we can celebrate Darby. Um, what an incredible person you've put in my life and in other people's lives. Um, Although we're sad that she's leaving, um, we can be grateful and thankful that um, this next chapter of her life is going to be beautiful because you're going to allow that for her. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for having her arms wide open and placing her in my life when I didn't even know that I needed her. Thank you for her constant wisdom and encouragement through our weekly coffee dates and discipleships. Lord, we just love Darby. And thank you for who she was and who she still is. Um, I just want to thank you again, God, um, for placing Darby in our lives and um, just having your arms wide open for us, like we've said before. Um, thank you for um, just building her to love us well and um, let us love her well. Thank you for all of the um, 
lessons that she's taught us and um, opportunities we've got to um, make memories with her. And I just pray that in her future that she just continues to love other people well and um, just share what she's been through for them. God, you are good and you are faithful. And um, God, I thank you um, for just the work that you did in and through Darby's life here in Nacogdoches. Um, God, I thank you for the work that you're going to continue to do in and through her. Um, God, and I thank you for just the fact that it's hard to see her leave. Um, I thank you um, that tears are a thing um, because it just means that we're getting the family thing right. We're getting community right. And um, God, so may we um, just continue um, to love. May we continue um, to be laborers here in Nacogdoches and um, carry the mantle that John just um, asked of us. But God, may this just be a testimony of your goodness and your faithfulness of what it looks like um, when we do devote ourselves to one another and we do commit to one another. Um, God, but we love you and we cherish you in Jesus' name. Amen.